guys and welcome to episode 7 of the Nintendo Village podcast. A bit of a special episode for you this week as myself and Gary and a few of the other guys from Nintendo Village, but they're not here to talk about it, never mind, uh, have been at EGX all weekend and we played a bunch of games, uh, some that are out, some that are coming out, uh, some we're really looking forward to, a bunch of Nindies, a bunch of Nintendo stuff. It's been a great few days uh, and so we're going to give you a rundown of everything we've played. And uh, How's your EGX been, Gary? Yeah, it's been uh, tiresome, but really, really fun so far. Like it's been great. We we got one more day left, or I have anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe next week we'll cover even more stuff. Yeah. But um, we've got a lot to talk about, so let's get right into it. I think. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been it's been a good show. Like I'm saying with you, I'm knackered. We're currently recording at like what one a.m. back in the hotel after like they do. It's been been good. We've crammed a lot in, and um, so it's been great. So we'll we'll lead off with a game that's uh, launching well next week, I suppose it'll be when this goes out. Yeah. Uh, Luigi's Mansion Three. Now I played this before at Gamescom, um, and I think I've talked about it on the show before. First time you've played it. Yeah. How did you find it? No, I I was actually surprised. Like I really enjoyed it. Um, there was a few little control things which I had to wrap my head around. Um, which I think it was a complaint that you had, right? Yeah. So when I played at Gamescom, I was saying that, like I really struggled aiming the torch and holding the charge button down. Fortunately, some something the rep told us today that I wasn't told at Gamescom is that you don't need to move the right stick and hold A down, which is impossible to do unless you've got like twelve fingers. Uh, you can just use the R button. Yeah. And that made it so much better. And like that was my one concern about the game is like, oh, I don't know if the controls are going to be any good. But by being told what some of the other buttons do, it was like, great, sound, one's so, over. Yeah, you basically didn't have to touch the face buttons, right? Like, the majority of it could be done with the two sticks and the back buttons. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah so, you them, yeah. And it, it's much more comfortable like that. So once once you got into that, it was much better. Now, I, I, I felt like uh, when you start using the flashlight, you stand, like, looking in the direction that you're in a bit more. Like, I'd like that to have been a bit more free, but it's a solid game so far. Like I really enjoyed everything that, uh, that I played. I got stuck on the boss, and that was because uh, you do something to expose its weak point, but every time I did it, he was looking in the wrong direction, so I never saw his weak point, and the demo timed out before I beat him, which I was gutted about. But we got some hands-on with a Switch Lite with this as well, which which I haven't got a Switch Lite, you haven't got a Switch Lite, so this is our first time, and it's a new game that we don't have. Yeah. So, how did you find that? Um, like, the build quality is really good. I will say, like, the screen is great as well. It looked fantastic. I actually found the Switch Lite a little bit small for me. And I found it a little bit awkward to sort of, like, reach the relevant buttons. Not reach them, but just, like, handle the relevant buttons. My hands felt a little bit cramped. Um, so, previously, like I mentioned on previous episodes of the show, that, like, I kind of wanted a Switch Lite. That hunger has been satiated. Like I'm okay. I can live without one now. Like there was no reason for me to get one anyway. Um, and now, like having tried it, now like it's a good system. Like I understand why people want it. Like it cool. It looks cool. Like it's a nice bit of kit. But yeah, I'm I'm fine. Happy to, like live without it now. How about you? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much the same. Like I think it's a really cool system. Uh, it's not for me, and and it's mainly because of the the same reasons like I always liked a bigger screen on the handheld like I liked the 3DS the bigger models like I never owned one until the new 2DS XL and uh, I, I really think it's a downgrade going backwards And but like I say it's cool for like you know people who travel a lot for kids and stuff like that I see the appeal to it it just doesn't really appeal to me but it was nice playing Luigi's Mansion I've got to admit mm-hmm. but uh, yeah it's just not for me 
Yeah, no, it's fair enough. Um, so I, I don't want to move on from Luigi's Mansion just yet because like, it's my most anticipated game. And, like, I'm really excited. How did you find like the Luigi stuff? Because so when that stuff was first revealed, I was a little bit. Mm, I don't know if like I'm into that kind of thing. But then when I played it and like the puzzle solving and stuff, I actually really enjoyed. So, so how did you find that stuff? I was worried about it. Yeah. Like I, I really was worried about it because um, I thought it was going to be like Triforce Heroes, where you could like stop using one character to be another one, mm-hmm. and. I'm still not completely sold on you, but it wasn't as irritating as I thought it would be. Mm. Um, I did find it odd that you click the right stick down to activate it. Yeah. And during a boss battle, I think this was more of the Switch Lite problem, especially being as it's like a unit that's probably gone from like function to function, like got gone from hand to hand to hand at these events. And like I was accidentally clicking the right stick in while moving, around, moving the camera around. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it was kind of a, a bit annoying, but I did the same thing in Breath of the Wild where I was accidentally crouching all the time. Yeah, I did that a couple of times as well. Yeah, so like uh, I think it could have been assigned to a better button, but I don't. I wasn't annoyed by it, and that that's the thing that I was surprised by because I thought it would really irritate me. But it actually worked pretty well, and I've got to admit that. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing like what puzzles they've come up with around that mechanic because the like there's like a couple of minor puzzles in the demo that we played. It was like quite cool, like you know, the, there's like an elevator and there's a fan you have to activate to use the elevator, and then when you like either yourself or Guigi has ridden the elevator, then has to come out and use the fan again to get the other guy. It's like kind of a basic puzzle kind of thing, um, but it was still like well implemented, and yeah. so I'm I'm intrigued to see and I'm looking forward to seeing like what other puzzles they've built around that mechanic. I think there could be some really cool stuff in there. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, Moving on, we also played Mario and Sonic at the Tokyo Olympic Games 2020. Crazy long title. Um, <laughs> it was really good fun, actually, that we got to play this as like two-on-two kind of thing. Uh, we played the archery minigame, mm-hmm. and then we also managed to sneak in a game with the veteran minigames, which I don't think anyone else really played. Uh, we just sort of like asked, and said, like, can we play one of the veteran ones? And they're like, yeah, okay, we'll do it quick, because it was the end of the day. Um, so but we'll start with the archery first, like the minigame, like... How did you find that? It was very uh, Wii Sports Resort, and, yeah. and that yeah. is in the best way possible. Yeah. Like um, it's hard with Joy Cons separated at these events because there's a lot of interference and stuff like that. Um, so we did get a bit of that, but overall it felt really good. Like I, I, I like the fact that you're doing the actual actions of shooting the bow and arrow with this. Joy-Cons in each hand. It's really precise, uh, right? Yeah, well, really precise, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It, like, it, it felt like an, a Mario and Sonic game, a bit, but a bit more polished this time. Yeah, and that's the vibe I got from it when I first played at Gamescom as well, is, like I say, yeah, it's, it's Mario and Sonic, like everything you expect from Mario and Sonic, but just, just kind of dialed up and, and, and really buffed to a shine. Um, it's like the, the same things that you may have played before in a series, but there's extra bits in there and the stuff that you have played before is like the best that those bits have been um, and so it's a, it's one of those weird ones where like I've never really had an interest in the series before now um, but I'm actually like sort of half tempted to pick this up because uh, like the retro one we played was like really cool so uh, if you're not familiar with it basically there's a bunch of sort of uh, um, games what do they call them events there you go uh, in the game that are in sort of 8-bit and 16-bit sprites. Um, and I think this build is like the Tokyo 64. Was it 1964, the Olympic Games in Tokyo last, something like that. Um, and we played, it was the long jump, wasn't it? 
Uh, and basically, you had to like mash a button like as fast as you could to like get your run up, and then you had to hit another button or hold it down when you got to the line, and then release it uh, at a certain point where so it was like a meter that came up that had the angle of your jump, and then like that's how you did a long jump. It was like, it worked really well, and I loved the look of it. Like I, I really enjoyed that game as well, and that felt a lot more like it, it. It was more basic visually, and it felt much more basic in controls as well. But it worked really well. I quite enjoyed it. So yeah, I, I really like the uh, the retro stuff as well. It felt very track and field. Yeah, in the best possible way. And the retro sprites, even though they don't match eras, like one sixteen bit ones eight, um, really work in the weirdest sort of glorious mashup of mismatch ever. Yeah. Like it really works. And uh, I wish we could have got to play more of those retro ones because um, I think that's the bit I'm looking forward to more than anything on that game. Yeah, me too. Uh, so speaking of sort of fitness and uh, excitement and, and being athletic and things uh, I also got to play Ring Fit Adventure um, now you, I don't think you, you played this did you? no I didn't play it no yeah. um, oh, that's it yeah you're filming me make a fool of myself weren't you? Yeah, that was it. Um, I was so impressed with this like obviously it's out now so you can go and pick it up um, I had not played it before uh, first off like the actual ring con the ring was really sturdy. Like I was really impressed at how robust it felt, and like how much give there was in it, um, and and just the different ways you could manipulate it and hold it in the different um, sort of positions you could get into, in order to like carry out the moves and stuff. Uh, so like in the the main adventure mode, uh, as you're moving through the world, basically you're just jogging on the spot. Although I found that I'm really bad at jogging on the spot. Like I. I ended up getting closer and closer to the DV and I had to sort of like jog backwards a little bit. And then as you're running through, you squeeze the hoop to either like fire off like sort of energy shots to blow up and like um, crates and things and and hit different targets to get coins. Um, and then you tilt the ring down and squeeze it again to jump. Uh, so there's always like different things you have to do with the hoop or the ring con as it's called uh, in order to sort of like move through the world as you're jogging and, and do things as you're jogging and then as you run through uh, every now and then you'll come up across an enemy and that's when you go into the battles now that was really cool as well like again there's different enemies with different colours and there were different um, sort of uh, moves and exercises you can do that have a corresponding colour and if you do the same colour exercise as the enemy is that gives you more damage or lets you do more damage, I should say. So that was really cool. I really liked the way that mechanic worked. And generally, just speaking, like, I was really impressed. Like, I really felt like I'd done, like, a really big workout. Like, I ran, like, a fair bit. I'd done loads of different, like, stretches and, and exercises and stuff. And I generally felt like if you were doing this, like, I think they recommend to, like, 30 minutes every day. Like, I do think, like, it would be a, a great fitness routine for somebody. And, yeah, so that that was really cool. Uh, moving on then, seeing as though you've not played it, um, the other game I got to play, which you didn't either, so I'll do another monologue, was um, <laughs> was Doom Eternal. Uh, now, obviously, we didn't play the Switch version. We learned this week that that's been delayed, um, kind of indefinitely. It's still coming, but it's not coming day and date as the other versions now. Um, but nevertheless, I thought I'd go and check it out, see what it's like. Uh, and it's a ton of fun. Like uh, the the big thing that was new to me, I think it was new. Um, I never actually finished the first game, so I don't know if this 
mechanic was introduced later on. Um, but there's uh, each weapon has like a secondary function almost, um, or like a not, not so much secondary function, but like an uh, an additional function that sort of complements the first one. So, for example, and um, my favorite one was I had a, a shotgun that had a hook shot with it, basically. So you could target a, a demon like across the map, fire a hook shot. And then it'd fire out, latch onto them, and it automatically pull you towards them. So you can traverse the map, and then as you get close, just like fire off the shotgun and just blow them to bits as you land there. Like it was really cool, a really fun way to move around the level. Um, other than that, in terms of new stuff, there wasn't like a ton there, like in the demo that was particularly new. But it didn't really need to be. It's the same, like dead fun, like really cool, um, just demon slaying, doom shooting things. There's just that was really fun. Um, is this one on your radar at all? Like, are you sort of keen to check out Doom Eternal if and when it comes to Switch and so on? I've been a fan of Doom, and I brought the the first Doom that came out on the Switch, and I just didn't boot it up. <laughs> so, like, my aim is to finish that before the new one comes out on the other platforms, and then we'll see. Yeah. Um, but I, I am interested in it. I've always been interested in Doom and Wolfenstein and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and they do uh, they do a great job of making these games. So uh, I'm gonna say yes, yeah. but like I really want to finish the other one first. Yeah. So. so that was the thing for me. Like playing this demo really made me want to go back and like finish the first game and like really get back into that. Um, so I'm looking forward to. I'll probably play that on the bus home tomorrow. So like, I'm looking looking forward to going back and sort of scratching that Doom itch. Because uh, it is it is so much fun, like running on those levels and just, just when you get into a groove and you just laying waste everything, it is a ton of fun. Uh, so moving on from Doom, then we played like a bunch of sort of smaller like indie type games. Uh, the sort of headliner of which of the, the ones we played is Streets of Rage Four. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Streets of Rage classic games. Uh, Streets of Rage Four has got like it's not brand new sort of like hand drawn art style, like first look at paint. Um, but I'm happy to report that it plays just as well and just as satisfying and, and more or less exactly the same as the old games. Um, but like the, the, the most impressive thing is those visuals. It looks absolutely gorgeous. The animations are fantastic. Um, but mechanically, like, it feels so good. You've got like a strong attack, a weak attack, um, the jump button, like, flying kicks and things. The enemies seem that you can get close to grab them and do throws, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the boss fight, we died on, <laughs> uh, but it's still really cool. Like I'm, I'm really looking forward to the full game and like playing that one properly. Like I'm assuming, like because I know you're a big sort of Streets of Rage fan, you'll be picking this one up as well. Yeah, and I mean Streets of Rage and Golden Axe, like uh, were, were fantastic two play games. Like I played them with my brother, and um, Streets of Rage Four is like it's perfect. The art style is perfect for the way that it, the way the way that the game sort of has evolved, so to speak. Um, and and these are the same guys that did the Wonder Boy and Monster Boy, right? Yeah. So they're masters at this hand-drawn art style now, and they make it look so natural that it it just fits in perfectly. And like even if the gameplay was clunky, like it would have been on the Mega Drive and uh, yeah. and or even like the Master System now, yeah. the way that they do their art style just enhances everything. Yeah, and like that's what I felt about looking at the Streets of Rage Four, and um, these guys actually did another game which we got to try as well. Yes, <laughs> uh, Windjammers Two. So this was a bit of a grudge match. Yeah, so was it was it last year's EGX? It might even have been the year before. Uh, we played 
the first wind gym, wind jimmers, wind jammers game on, <laughs> on Switch, and you well and truly whooped my ass. I did, I did, and I'm not good at games, so like <laughs> that was that was a really good win. So this time to regain some pride, I got my ass whooped again. <laughs> yeah, quite right royally this time. Yeah, it was like a first to win, and then after that, Phil was like, "Oh no, we're not going his first to three. <laughs> after the first to three, oh, hang on, it's first to five. <laughs> <laughs> we're call, we're calling on its first to nineteen. <laughs> um, but like that said, like it, it play again. It's the same, like similar sort of hand drawn art style. Like I said, it looks stunning, right? Yeah, and it's very, very similar to the original Wim Jammers, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, that, I believe that's out on Switch, the original one, yeah, yeah. as far as I can remember. Yeah. And uh, we like, as we said, we played that one on the Switch, um, like either last year or the or the year before, and it does feel very much the same in the same way that Streets of Rage 4 feels like the older ones right yeah it feels the same in a good way yeah it like, yeah. feels the same in a good way but again the art style like changes the game somehow yeah. magically changes the game even though it's it's very much the same sort of game um, I think this is a great sort of party game right yeah. uh, you probably wouldn't put like a lot of errors into it if it was just you yeah uh, we, I don't actually know if it's got a single player on it um, I assume it has. I assume it has, yeah, yeah. But, like, it's very much a two-player, have a couple of drinks with some friends and, and get stuck in. Like, you have to be on the same sort of skill level, though. Like, I didn't see any handicap in there. But, I mean, this is a demo build, so yeah. we, we don't really know exactly what the full game's like. But I really, really enjoyed it. Like, really enjoyed it. I was I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it just because I lost. Yeah, that's the <laughs> but, only reason yeah. I didn't enjoy it. But, yeah, my only criticism of the game is that I'm really bad at it. <laughs> uh, you mentioned uh, like fun party games, and we played a few of those. Oh, yeah. We played oh, a, yeah, a yeah. few. It was really good. Uh, a couple of which were from uh, Coatsync. Yeah, uh, and the first of the first one on my list was a game called Cake Bash. Yeah, which I'm going to explain the concept because it's a bit weird. It felt very much like a Mario Party kind of mini game. Yeah, it does. Like yeah, yeah. Games built around that kind of thing. Uh, so everyone picks a cake that they play as, and then there's different like objectives you have to fight, and it's time to like a couple of minutes or whatever. And so like the first one we played was you had to stick sweets to yourself, which you got. You did just by running around. And so you run around, and I think, was there a jump button? I don't think there was a jump button. No, there was like a, an attack and a, oh. a, a sprint. Oh, there was a sprint button? Yeah. Well, that explains what I got my arse handed to me on this one as well. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise that. Yeah, there's a attack button, there was a pick-up button as well, you could pick, pick up items yeah. to whack people with. Um, and it's just chaos, because you run around and you attack other people, and like they lose their sweets. And then there's like obstacles, like there's things falling down and more sweets fall from the sky and you stand underneath it, you get like covered in them. And so you, it's all about like the sort of ebb and flow of like, okay, I've got tons of sweets, so I'm winning, but that also means everyone's gunning for me now. Yeah, and I mean, they've got some stage hazards as well. Yeah. So like the one of them was set on like the roof of uh, like a city and on top of a building in a city. And there's a pigeon who every once in a while would land and try to peck the cakes and then if he wasn't trying to peck you, he was definitely trying to poop on the cake. Yes. <laughs> which which is very sticky and slows you down. Yeah. It's, um, so, it's, it's just such a daft game, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's really daft. Again, I, I think this one's more accessible to families, unlike Windjammers. Like, yeah. I think the skill level doesn't have to be the same because there's a random element to it and uh, a bit of more of, like, just, just chaos. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's, it's much like less complicated in terms of mechanics. Like, yeah, it's fairly, it's dead straightforward. Like you get it, like what you've got to do and everything. Um, that obviously wasn't the only mode. There's like other modes. So we did mm-hmm. one uh, where you had to pick up fruit and throw them into like a pool, and yeah. different coloured fruit uh, gained you different um, number of points. And then there's another one where you had to run around and break open fortune cookies. And again, like there's like a golden fortune cookie which got you like ten points instead of the usual two. Yeah. Um, so there's all that kind of stuff. I'm assuming there's like tons more modes in the final game. Um, so it's definitely one to like keep an eye on. I think especially. If you're the kind of person who like plays a lot of like couch co-op stuff or like your friends around and like all that kind of stuff, um, but yeah, that was a ton of fun. Uh, the other game by the same developer, Coating, is a game that you've been chucking for a while. Yeah, um, a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is called Fogs. Yes. Which is about it's a co-op two-player co-op game. Um, it's it's kind of hard to explain because you're a double-ended dog, so you're like two heads and one body with no legs, and it's all set in a dream world. Yeah. And it's like cat dog it's like cat dog yeah, yeah. except this one can stretch yeah. like, and uh, there's some really clever mechanics in there and they introduce them in like a, a smooth slow sort of pace so that you get to know things and then um, you see that there's like a cleverness to solving the puzzle so there's a, a sense of accomplishment every time you did something no matter how simple the puzzle may be mm-hmm. like there was always like a payoff for it and uh, there's little things like if there was a, a running tap, the one dog could put his mouth on the tap and the water would pass through the other dog's mouth <laughs> because, like, so you, you're basically becoming a hose. Yeah. And the same with light. Like, one dog could, like, grab onto a light bulb and the other dog would turn into a, a, a flashlight, essentially. Um, it's really good fun. Like, really good fun. And, like I said, I've been uh, tra- uh, tracking this one for a while. Um, this is the first time I played it on Switch. Right. Uh, which they actually said they they built with that in mind and then built everything above that. So the versions are actually quite close, yeah. and uh, it's really like bright and vibrant on the Switch and run really well. Um, it's definitely a game that I'm going to pick up, like without hesitation. Definitely. Um, again, it's one that you could play with your family and non-gamers can get it as well. Like that, it, you know, it's just one of those accessible games. It's dumb fun. There's silly mechanics. There's a bit of like, uh, you know, like physics in it where the dog will all of a sudden go flying because you've turned yourself into a catapult almost. <laughs> so yeah, the, the, these sort of random factors go really well in these games, right? Yeah. And, uh, we got a lot more random factors from some other games. Yes, we did. So yeah, we like, we to another one. like I say, we played a lot of these like party type games, and the other one we played from Team Seventeen, uh, which was a game called Moving Out. Yeah. Uh, which again was like tons and tons of fun. We played like four player this one. It's fit like even like the art style was kind of like overcookedy. Yeah. Um. But basically, the the scenario is you're a moving company and you have to move all of the furniture out of a house and out into a van. There's caveats to that <laughs> in that the house for example could be haunted yep. and therefore all of the chairs move around and you have to chase them through the gardens and there's a piano trying to eat you and there's ghosts after you and things like that or you could be on a farm and the furniture is actually sheep and cows and pigs and chickens you have to run around and pick up uh, again dumb dumb fun but like we had a riot playing it right yeah, and I mean, the, the the best part of this is it's a cult game, right? Yeah. So some furniture was like a two-man lift. 
but the moving van could be very awkward that you got to put the stuff into. So you have to think about what you're putting in in what order. And uh, we had trouble on the farm. Yes, like, we, did. we lost so many sheep. They kept running out of the out of the farm. But we also uh, there's a slap button, so you could slap the other players, and they would drop whatever they're carrying. And I think we got a little bit too competitive to say that it's a purely co-op game, right? Yeah. Well, this thing, like, I thought, like, because of that slap button, that like you have to work together to like actually complete the level. But then you'd get points at the end of the level for like how much furniture you scored, and it turns out no, like, <laughs> you're not scored in any way. Um, the slap button is there for like slapping the ghost so that your teammates can get some things like that. But yeah, we just had like far too much fun just causing each other chaos. Yeah, and that's that's the beauty of it, right? Because like we just made our own fun in it. Yeah. Right. We. I mean, the game was fun enough anyway, but then we took it overboard and like it became one of those things where you're just in hysterics because something really dumb would happen because you slapped your friend who was carrying a sofa down some stairs and the sofa's gone over him <laughs> and they fell over and they they rolled down the stairs and uh yeah I, I really enjoyed it like um sh- like straight away when I looked at it I was just like oh it's gonna be a bit like overcooked I don't think it was actually much like overcooked apart from the working together bit yeah, no, it's yeah. There's a there's a lot of these sort of couch co-op games that have that kind of vibe. Like there's like Overcooked, and then there's um, Catastronauts, and then there's like things like this. And it is, yeah, it's like aesthetically, I think it looks like a little bit like Overcooked. Like it, like that. That was why it reminded me of me to start with. Other mm. it's like a co-op game, but mechanically, yeah, it's an entirely different, entirely different game. Um, but it was like just I can imagine. Like I mean, we had a riot just the four of us. Uh, playing it there I can imagine if you've got like four mates you've got a couple of beers just running around like every now and then a shower would go up like oh no I've lost a chicken and like <laughs> running around the farm trying to get this chicken and there's like a rake that you stand on and hit you in the face and like stun you for a second or two like yeah it was like really really fun um, just before we move on like there was another uh, party game which we got to play which hasn't been confirmed for Switch yet doesn't look like it's coming to Switch anytime soon the developer did say that like that they want to look at it going forward um, but we thought we'd mention it because it was also a ton of fun and we, we laughed our asses off playing it and it was it had a longer title but it was essentially like Animal Heist or Animal Heist Simulator or something like that yeah um, and I mean do you want to explain the premise of this one yeah <laughs> so so we'll go through this one pretty fast because like like I say we don't know if it's confirmed for Switch yeah. um, but like this was the game that we we had the most laughs at right yeah like it was a physics-based game where you're basically um, like humanoid animals, so you got, but with really big heads, and it's all physics-based. So you have to control the arms separately, and if you wanted to bend over, you like you had to use the right stick for that, and you had to work together to go into a skyscraper, get up to a floor with a vault on to take the belongings out of that and the money, and then get to the roof to escape in a helicopter. Sounds easy. It's really not, and that was the fun because it was like if one of you fell over, the other one would fall over, and it was one of those chain reaction things, right? Where yeah. the, the physics just create chaos, yeah. And like even the stuff that didn't work the way it should work made it even more funny. And like I was in tears, like I was literally wiping tears off my face because I laughed so much at it. And um, yeah, I wish we could say that this one was confirmed for Switch because. I honestly think that this was one of the best indie games we played, um, just purely for the laughing alone. Yeah, it, it says, and it's the reason we're talking about it is that because it's a game that would be perfect on Switch. Yeah, um, and it was like I say, it was hilarious. And 
Yeah, one of the reasons it's not confirmed for Switch yet is because it's still quite an early build, right? Like, oh yeah, very early, early build. Yeah, yeah. In development, like, and there, there was like a few bugs and stuff in there, but it was one of those instances where those bugs made it even more funny. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't. Was it Gorney, someone who got caught? Like, it glitched somehow, and his character got caught like inside a bookshelf. And so you had, we were dragging him, like, we've got to get the bookshelf in the lift now to get him up there. And then he just, like, spazzed out, and he was, like, flying out everywhere. It was just, it was so fun. And, like, the ragdoll physics just made it hilarious. And there's, like, there's, obviously, there's, like, security and cops and stuff chasing after you. The thing that really made, like, me laugh is, like, I was, so I was playing as a crocodile. And there was one uh, level where you have to, where, like, put the skies on kind of thing to make it look like you're supposed to be in this building, even though you're an animal. Um... <laughs> So you like, you go into the locker and you to put this outfit on you just walk up and then you you out just wearing it right. For some reason again it was just the physics. I got in I touched my outfit backwards and so my crocodile was wearing his suit backwards. So I was a crocodile in a backwards suit with so the ties on his back and his tail sticking out where presumably his fly would be. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was just it was just so stupid, so much fun. Like it was great. I'm like. We, we really, really hope it comes to Switch. Yeah, I mean, the, those those physics were so funny. Like, I remember I managed to grab my own foot in it and then try <laughs> to jump, and it created me to, like, this super <laughs> jump where I flung across the room. It was great fun. But the, we did play another Switch-confirmed game on, and actually played the Switch build, which was Locomotion. Yes, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this, the, the way that I can describe this game is... Captain Toad Treasure Tracker's levels, but with a train that you have to get from point A to point B. Yeah. Right? And this is another game that I've been following for a good while, and uh, I I wanted it to be confirmed for Switch really bad, and now it is. And uh, I believe it's already out on Steam, or it's close, I think. Yes. I think it's close, yeah. And... um, it, it's it's re- it was really really fun. Like it's a beautiful looking game. The art style is fantastic, and um, you, you basically you start off fairly simple. You're just switching tracks to try and get across uh, yeah. to to an exit, but then later on there was like teleporters and all this sort of craziness, like bomb carriages and magnets, and it, the mechanics in it were really clever to say you're on a rail, right? Yeah. And it's just a little diorama, and it's basically like a puzzle game, right? It's a puzzle solve. In fact, you just have to get the train from one point to another, essentially, mm. right? But there's also, like, gold bars and stuff. There's, like, three gold bars or whatever that you can collect as you're going through. So there's, like, that extra sort of challenge, if you like. Um, I, I, I had a ton of fun with it. I basically had to be dragged off it because I would have sat there all day and played. It was really funny because they had, like, a demo version for the PC, and they said, like, yeah, we didn't have time to build a demo for the Switch, so this is just the full game. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I was like, I will sit here and I will play this entire game right now. And yeah. it's got to be very close to coming out because, I mean, it ran beautifully, right? Yeah, I think they said they were shooting for um, early next year, mm. I think, if I remember rightly. Um, but that's definitely one to check out. Like, keep an eye on. If you liked Captain Toad, if you like, like puzzle games like that, then you'll, you'll absolutely love this game. It, it was really, really good. Um, so moving on from that, uh, we've got one, one more game each so we want to talk about uh, do you want to go first do you want to talk about Roki yeah so Roki was a game again which I've been following for a while which <laughs> it, it might sound weird because I know I haven't really played too many of the indies lately and I haven't spoke too, too much about them on the podcast um, but all these games I've been looking at I've been looking at for a while and Roki got confirmed in the last like um, an indie thing that happened right Yeah. Uh, for Switch and 
it's basically a really modern day take on a point and click adventure. Yeah. But you're moving around in a 3D space almost like it's quite hard to explain. Um, I am actually struggling <laughs> to explain it. But basically you're moving around in a, th- in a 3D environment and there's like uh, stuff like trolls and stuff like that. It's very sort of uh, Scandinavian folklore-ish. So if you're into like, you know, forest creatures and trolls and, and goblins and all that sort of stuff, it's full of that, right? And uh, it's beautiful to look at. It's very minimalistic, but I think that actually enhances it. And and that was one of the first things that drew me in was the way that it looked. Uh, yeah, it was the best. It was a gorgeous looking game. And one thing they did that was really neat is there's a hint system because point-and-click games can be hard, right? You can you can really struggle to to notice items. Yes. Especially if it's something where, like, it's hidden under a desk, say, which was in this, and I missed it. So you click the left stick down and whatever items you can interact with glow. And uh, that helps a lot because the worst thing about point-and-click games is when you're stuck on them. Right? Yeah. So and you only land just like pressing the action button on anything and everything to see if it picks something up. Yeah, and they also had a thing where you could combine items in your bag. So, for example, there was a troll that had a sword stuck in his shoulder, right? And you couldn't get up to it, but he was under a bridge, but you couldn't get down to it either. So, uh, what you did is you you found a um, later on you find a bear trap and a rope. And you combine them to basically make yourself like this little fishing rod that you can, as soon as it touches the sword, would grasp onto it. And then you could pull the sword out from the top of the bridge. And I just really liked it. I thought it was yeah. like quite charming, but like it's relaxing. The music was like tranquil and like it just looks like one of those perfect games to sort of uh, just sit on the sofa and just go through it and just relax at the end of a busy day. No, that sounds really cool, man. Uh, on the conflict flip side of that one that wasn't relaxing at all but one I nevertheless really really enjoyed and may have been like my favourite game that I played this weekend it was a game called To The End uh, and so this is a like it's a 2D sort of action adventure sort of game but the focus is very much on the action and the whole, the game is built around the combat it's like it's a two person like husband and wife dev team um, and the combat is the core of it and it's it's almost reminiscent of Dark Souls um, but it sort of translated to 2D space right so you you can draw your weapon by I think you press the right stick in to draw your weapon and then you have a high attack and a low attack and you use your left stick to block um, and parry and it's literally just you press up to block high and down to block low but you really have to pay attention to what your opponent is doing and how they're going to attack you. You can't really anticipate it. You have to react. And you get like a split second to react. Like they'll do like a little pose so you know, okay, this is going to be low attack or this is going to be high attack. And you have to move the stick in the right way. And once you sort of learn that patience, the combat becomes so satisfying and it's so good. And like the damage you take, you don't have a health bar, but like if you take a lot of damage your character's like sort of covered in blood like it's visually that you can see and it's the same with the enemies as well as you do more damage to them you see it on them like they don't have a health bar but you can see like you know there's a lot of blood on them they're gonna die soon like i'm winning this battle and i yeah it really really hooked me in like i really really enjoyed it even though again i was sort of getting beaten like quite a bit there was just one enemy that i i think i died like six or seven times before like went back and i finally beat him um I still really, really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed the challenge, and it was so satisfying when I did beat him, uh, because I'd learned the mechanics, and I, I, 
I got that patience and just played it right essentially. Um, so that's one I'm really, really looking forward to. Uh, again, another one that's that's coming to Switch. I think again, sometime next year. Another one that's shooting for early next year. Uh, but you should definitely go and check that one out. So I think I've already said, uh, yeah, that was probably my favourite game that I've played mm. uh, this weekend. So I just want to like throw a question to you as well. Like, what what's been your highlight so far? Oh, well, this is a tough one. It's really really tough because. Uh, apart from main Nintendo and stuff like that, if we're talking about the indies and stuff, yeah. um, I really, really like Fogs. Yeah, like I really like Fogs, and uh, it's just great. Like uh, when I first saw it, it was like a small little little one, like one console stand, one PC stand, and like to see it now getting the like it, since they got took up by Coatsync, it's like a big thing, and there's a lot of people playing it, and a lot of exposure. And the game's looking more and more beautiful every time I see it. And it's more and more daft every time I see it. <laughs> and uh, it's just one that I, I honestly can't wait to just finally get yeah. when it comes out. Happy days. Mate, well, we're going to wrap up the show there. Thank you very much for joining us on this like EGX special. Joining us in our hotel room. That yeah. happens. Uh, so that's if there are any audio issues, don't know yet. We'll find out when we come to edit. But like, apologies for if you're other guests and things like that um, we shouldn't do it's like one o'clock in the morning it should be sound um, but yes yeah, so thank you very much for joining us uh, don't forget to check out this podcast every week if it goes out at sort of a sort of Monday Tuesday sort of time um, visit the nintendovillage.com we've got like news reviews loads of other podcasts YouTube shows live streams all that kind of stuff on there follow us on socials and all that kind of stuff uh, thanks again for listening and I'll catch you all next week bye bye